Bem-vindo, gente. Welcome back to another episode of Si Se Puede here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Today, I am so excited to bring to you a conversation that I had with the amazing Rolando Chuzan. Now, Rolando Chuzan is an actor and a playwright. He grew up in the Bronx by way of Ecuador. He got his first series regular role on Promised Land, which led him to move out here to Los Angeles. Promised Land, if you haven't heard me talk about it before here on the podcast is a multi-generational show about a Latino family and the legacy of the family wine dynasty that they have built. Rolando played young Billy, an undocumented Mexican immigrant in the late 80s who longs for the American dream. Now this is a show that is very near and dear to my heart. I moved out here to Los Angeles in October 2021 and was able to secure a job as a COVID production assistant. So the cast and crew mean a lot to me particularly and I'm excited to get you all a closer look at who Rolando is. Now, despite the power of that amazing, talented cast and crew, Promised Land unfortunately was shelved after one incredible season. Rolando and I discuss the disproportionate amount of Latino stories that tend to face the same fate in the American media, especially television shows. We also chat about what Latino legacy and representation mean. In addition to acting and writing, Rolando enjoys exercising, he loves music, cartoons, and one of his biggest passions is manga and anime. I'm very excited to share with you all my conversation with the incredible, amazing, phenomenal Rolando Chuzan. All right, everyone, I am joined by the incredible Rolando Chuzan. Rolando, how are you doing today, my guy? Yeah, incredible. I love that. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but hello, friend. My name is Rolando Chuzan. And how, how would you describe yourself to anyone who's meeting you for the first time or a repeat meter of Rolando? But how would you like to introduce yourself here on the podcast? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with two words uh, that I think of in my head. I have a goofy smile, so goofy. And then I... Uh, and uh, undecisive. <laughs> well, uh, I think most people might know you from one of my favorite shows, Promised Land, uh, which uh, we met. That's how we met. Uh, I was a COVID PA and you were young Billy, a.k.a. Uh, I'm actually not going to lie. I don't remember your character's original name, but I'm sure you do. Like uh, yeah. before yeah. you you got the, the papers. But yeah, so that's probably where probably most people might know you, but they don't know you. Uh, outside of that, you're a big anime and manga fan. You're a big reader. You just came back from yoga. So I'm just super excited to get to talk to you about Latino heritage and what it means to you. Yeah, my gosh, that's so wild. Getting back, I just, I, I hear that. I'm like, oh, getting back from yoga. What an LA thing. I'm from originally <laughs> from the Bronx, by the way. So this is like, what is my life now? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we love like the East Coast to West Coast move. I'm originally from Boston. So, no way. Uh, yeah. You know that? No, you, I, I moved out here, like, literally right before Promised Land. And then oh, what? my friend, like, thinking. got me this job by, like, just putting my resume into Victoria. And that's how I got involved. And I'm so glad she put my resume in because I loved working on Promised Land. 
Yeah, it was such a blast. I, I would, I remember uh, talking to you guys a lot about like cartoons and I like I like you know manga and anime. Yeah, and uh, when we ran into each other at Costco, you said you might have traumatized one of our co- one of my coworkers uh, because you t- uh, you gave him the manga about the duck, right? Uh, <laughs> also, Yami Pun Pun. Yes, he he wanted like a really obscure dark one, and I was like. Well, I mean, I was like, okay, well, I love Monster and how obscure that one is. But Pun Pun is like, and I feel like what he was looking for. And then I remember him seeing the next week and he was like, dude, what'd you do to me? <laughs> I was like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a little, it gets crazy. <laughs> I feel like he's fine. I don't know if anything could traumatize him, like, in terms of, like storytelling wise. <laughs> it was all fun and games. Yeah. Fun. But, uh, Rolando, uh, I want to, I want to talk to you about, like, what representation means to you. And I just kind of wanted to first ask, like, uh, tell us a little bit about your Latino background and like uh, you said you're from the Bronx originally uh, but and you came your way out here but like talk to me about what it means to be Latino to you. Yeah well I mean originally is I guess maybe not the right word originally originally I was born in Ecuador so I came here when I was around three years old um, so you know Spanish is my first language I then came to the South Bronx moved there um, you know, started acting at one of the public schools there. They were super great. And, you know, you just these people, like it was an underfunded school, it was one of those things. And then, um, you know, I, I kept acting in that like small space for a couple of years. I got into LaGuardia High School, then went to, um, you know, that, and that got me out of the Bronx a little bit. And then, you know, went to Hunter College, did the two-year conservatory at Maggie Flanagan Studios. And, and then, yeah, and then, kind of like started the grind really until I got Promised Land, which was like my first like big thing. And you were um, still in New York when you got that, right? You moved out here for Promised Land? Yeah, moved out here for Promised Land. I, I moved out and then I decided, hey, you know what? Let me like stick around in Los Angeles, see what the what the deal is here. And it's it's been good. It's been treating me super nice actually. It's not the worst. You're already a Los Angelite, uh based on your yoga. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh New Yorker for life, just a visitor. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so, uh, and then I'm assuming, like, we've talked, we talked in the pre-show about, like, cartoons and stuff, but uh, do you have a recollection of the first time you were able to resonate with a Latine or a Hispanic story on TV or film, uh, whether it's a cartoon, live action, like, do you have, like, a first memory of seeing, like, or of feeling representation in the media? You know what's crazy? First of all, sorry, I didn't ask you your first question, representation, what does it mean to me? Sorry. is uh, it, it means, like, I mean, growing up, I mean, What's crazy is I got into acting because I like because re- I always wanted to be a voice actor when I was a kid, and it wasn't until I saw not a Spanish person, Will Friedle acting in Boy Meets World, and I remember the episode uh, where he was like talking to squirrels or something, and it made me laugh, and I was like, oh my god, people can make me laugh just like cartoons. Maybe I want to get into this acting thing, but like you know, looking back on it, it's like damn, I wish I wish I could, you know, I it was like you know someone that looked like me that inspired me. Um, and, you know, and going forward as well, like, I, you know, what's crazy, what's crazy is there is the first time I was like, dang, I feel seen was actually when I saw Cobra Kai for the first time, because Zolo Mariduena, who plays the lead in that show, he is, he's, he's an Ecuadorian family. And I, I don't believe he's Ecuadorian, neither is the family, but like, I was like, that is, that was so like, mind-blowing for me i was like oh my god an ecuadorian family like on an american television show that's like you know kind of viral that's and i was like oh my lord i mean and that's just recent uh, like that's 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 recent dude yeah 
I think the, the other time where I was like really hyped was you know seeing Miles Morales and Spider Into the Spider Verse. I thought was really cool too. Um, but those are the ones that stick out in my mind. I'm sure there are a lot more, but yeah, I mean it's it's yeah it's it's been um, you know Coco Coco was was big for me too. It was the first time I ever saw my dad like have uh, any big emotion to like a movie, you know, because the characters are reminded of his, of his uh, parents. So I, that was cool for me too. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously far and few in between. I wish there was more. Promised Land, I thought, would garner a lot more, you know, attention or viewership than it did. But like you were saying before, uh, we started the podcast, like, right, you know, it started right as the Olympics started and they didn't want to give us a chance to to develop a following on, on ABC. So it, it was a little hard. Yeah, I, I wish it had either just started on Hulu or was able to continue the run on ABC because I feel like then it might have had an easier time building a following but when you put it at 10 o'clock on mondays against the olympics it's gonna struggle yeah um, right, but, after, right after the bachelor too it's like you know people's minds are not i don't know if in, in a very dramatic place after that or maybe so i don't know i think even if they had just put it before the bachelor like i understand the lead-in portion of like you want the bachelor to lead into it but i think the, people are going to turn it on before the bachelor and maybe catch a little bit and be like oh wait this show is actually really interesting let me go yeah. watch at the beginning but absolutely i'm like and to like everyone you know listening like there's heavy hitters on that show. John Ortiz, Cecilia Suarez, Bellamy Young, Yul Vasquez, like all these superstars and, and they do really good work. Like everyone in the show, like you were just talking before. This is, again, it's like it, we loved, it was a passion project for everyone involved. And, you know, and yeah, like if, if you can check it out, please do. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. And I, like, even if I didn't work on this show, this would be a show that I enjoyed. It's like my type of show anyways, but also like the representation aspect of it. And I can't speak for the other Latinos on set, but I always felt like a sense of comfort knowing that there were a lot of us on set. Like whether, like for me, I'm Brazilian and you're, oh, yeah. you're Ecuadorian and uh, like some of them were Puerto Rican or Mexicana. And I just felt like a that, sense yeah. of community, regardless of where people in, were from in Latin America. We just like, I felt there was like a collaboration and a community within the creation of this story and bringing it to life that was really inspiring to be around yeah i 100 agree it was it, it really felt like like family you know and a lot of the directors were latino and like also like the creator matt lopez he he's latino so it just felt like a lot of like strong latino talent behind this project um and i was so devastated like when i heard the news that it was um getting like pushed to hulu and then also later when it wasn't going to be picked up uh, but like, I really appreciate the show for like showing like, uh, not just like stereotypical Latinos, like obviously there was like scandalo in there, like with the, yeah. with, like there was drama and there was tension, but it wasn't like the depiction of like the traditional Latino stereotypes that I had previously seen. Like, um, there were, there were like people, John Ortiz played a successful businessman in yeah. like a corporate area. So that was super cool to see. Yeah, I mean, yo, let me tell you, when I first read the script, the thing that made me fall in love with it was, like, as an immigrant, you know, like, I, I was not born here. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get my my, uh, my citizenship until, like, I was much uh, older. Um, like, when I went back to Ecuador, when I thought about my country, it was fun, you know? That's something that people miss a lot about the immigrant experience is that, you know, it's like, oh, because we, like, come here and we don't have like all this money or whatever we must be miserable and always struggling and something that i loved about promised land like was when we were in the past timeline like 
we, we there was there were moments of like levity it was like yeah there was drama and there was like a lot of things happening but like it was still fun and there was like this fairy tale aspect that even like you know that i remember as a kid still like having you know i i loved my life when you know we lived in a dinky apartment in the south bronx it was still good you know and and promise i didn't shy away from all that that the struggle there can be happiness in the struggle you know i remember one of my favorite like days on set was uh they had like the whole buffet i think it was episode three uh and it was like the buffet and then like uh old man honeycroft uh was there and that was like him talking to everyone but it was like so cool to see all these like latino people having this buffet and obviously there was like plot reasons for it but uh yeah i be- was that also when you like lifted your head up and ran and was like yeah. very excited about the news yeah, yeah. and um, it was episode three it was good yeah uh but that was like so cool to see all these latinos on tv at once um but i oh go ahead sorry no on on network i think that was that was cool so i agree i think that was that was really awesome you know um one another question i wanted to ask was kind of the inverse of that question i asked you about like seeing representation was there ever a show or movie that you absolutely loved but you could feel like a struggle to connect with it because it was just so different from you and like maybe like an earlier something that you grew up watching as opposed to something later in life where you kind of acknowledged uh, the lack of representation before you could even understand what that meant. You know, I, I, I think what's something I did, and I can't like pinpoint exactly what, but I did, I can pinpoint that when I was a kid, I, I used to remember like there would be like one Spanish friend or one Latin friend, uh, like in this group of, you know, of people or whatever, whether it be a cartoon or live action. And, and that it was wild to me that the Latin person would have to like, like he would speak and then he would randomly speak Spanish to like people that didn't understand Spanish. And then he'd like be like, hey, my name is Rolando, como estas? Hello. And it's like, what? why are people writing this? Like, this, this is not how we speak. Like I speak Spanish to people that know Spanish, not people that don't. I, I that always felt a little discon- like this is like, and, and it goes back to, I think the real problem here is that like, you know, we, we like need more, you know, more, more Latinos in the writer's rooms who understand you know, the culture, not just people, not just inclusion for inclusion's sake, you know. Um, and that's something that uh, uh, the showrunner of Promised Land did in his room. He had a lot of Latinos working there. Um, yeah. And, like, I could tell, like, it felt like known experience, like some of the stuff that was put on the page and later the TV. Uh, it came yeah. from, like, authentic experiences and from the directing chair as well to even, like, some of the more, like, behind-the-scenes crew, like the lighting guys, the grips. Like, I... That was really cool to see. And uh, yeah, like I agree with you. We need more people, not just in front of the camera, obviously, but behind the camera as well in terms of telling the stories that we want told and giving chances to our stories to flourish. Yeah, and let me let me sing Matt's praises for a second. Matt Lopez, who's a showrunner, um, he's a genius. Not only a genius, but like the kindest like showrunner I've ever come across. He just it was kind and like made sure everybody felt warm and welcome and like had their ideas like listened to and yeah, man, there was so much, so much love. And he talked, talked, and walked, walked, everything. Yeah, and also, like, obviously, Promised Land is something that we're going to promote. But watch Father of the Bride, if you haven't, the new yeah, one. Yeah, so actually, good. At, at work, they started, they installed this uh, Latin and Hispanic heritage exhibit um, in one of the areas. And there's, like, the three Father of the Bride costumes worn by Andy Garcia and Gloria. No Spons. way, that's and cool. That. And every time I'm like, watch Promised Land also. <laughs> I don't say that, but in my head, I think about it. 
Yeah, no, that's good. Oh my god, it, even even that energy out there, I think, is awesome. And, yeah, and he, I, I'm excited to see where he goes, like career wise, because I think he's going to continue to fight for Latino stories. Just knowing like what he did with Promised Land and everything that I've seen of his has often had a touch of Latino storytelling. Absolutely, yeah, no, of course, and and you know, Father Bright did really well, so hopefully that there's some traction there for him. I sure hope so. Um, let's let's talk about like some of your favorite portrayals of Latino people and culture in American cinema or TV. Obviously, you mentioned Coco and Cobra Kai, but are there any others that like stand out to you that like you're like, wow, this is like from not just like from the first time you experienced it, but throughout like yeah. any experience of it. You know what I really enjoyed. I mean. <laughs> Very cliche. I mean, Antonio Banderas is fucking awesome. I love Antonio. Uh, I guess I'm cursing. Uh, Antonio Banderas is awesome. Is awesome, and so is a. Uh, you know, like I must say, like Puss in Boots, like you know, stereotypes and everything aside, is a great character, and it's like such a beautiful, like little depiction of like a person who, like, you know, you have the stereotypes, but like in a fun, smart way. You know, so that was really cool. And Are you excited for the new movie? And what? Are you excited for the new Puss in Boots movie? Oh, no, I'm talking about the old one. I'm talking about Shrek. No, I know. Yeah, but like, and like also Shrek, but like, I think there's going to be a new one coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's not letting go of that character, but that's sick. I, I love everything about uh, that. And also, you know, obviously his other roles as well. Andy Garcia in the Oceans movies was awesome. I think that was the first time I saw like, um, or recognized like a Latin man just like, you know, you know, with power in the Oceans movies. Um, that was really cool. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Let me think. Um, what other actors? I'm sure, like, I have them. Right now, they escape me. Yul Vasquez, obviously. John Ortiz, obviously. Yeah, you know, right. seeing them. <laughs> I actually kind of wanted to ask you, like, what's it like as a Latino actor acting alongside? I mean, I know you didn't have any particular scenes, but you did have a scene with Cecilia Suarez. But, like, yeah. working together with these powerhouses of the Latino community, like, what is that like? Or, like, you're playing a young version of Yul Vasquez. Like, what is that like to, like, be, like, part of the future generations, like, working alongside these people you respect so much? Oh, my gosh, dude. Like, see, so, like, in terms of television and film, maybe not so much, but I used to act as a kid with the plays that were originated by John Ortiz and Yul Vasquez. You know, like, the Labyrinth Theater Company um, in New York is, like, a big deal, especially for someone growing up. Like, Stephen Ali Gurgis would make these plays that you know, were from the hood and people like me could like relate to, especially as a young actor. And so like you would grow up training with these plays and then to be able to work with Jonathan and Joe Vasquez, it was an absolute honor. You know, when I, I had dinner with him, talk about the character a little bit and he's just, he's so funny, so funny. And John Ortiz is the best number one, like a person could have on a show. He, he like was a true leader and like and led with by example and, you know, no ego. And um, yeah, man, it was, it was a little bit of, you know, I, I held it together. It was very hard not to be starstruck though. Cause like these people are people that, you know, these were my heroes growing up, like, especially in theater, you know? Um, so yeah, man. And, and, and obviously acting with Cecilia Suarez, that scene I learned so much. She is, at, oh my gosh, man. Like, yeah, she was absolutely just, she, like it's a, it was a small scene as you know but like the command that she the presence that she had the way she with the passion and and the drive and like how she comported herself on set just seeing that it just I, I was in my head just taking notes as much as I could I was like I was taking her in and like trying to be in the moment 
but also trying to learn because she's a master. And I definitely can imagine you felt like there was a ton of growth between like when you started filming the pilot in Georgia to like when you wrapped your last scene in February. Uh, and like I can tell there was like a lot of learning that happened throughout this project and like love for the craft and art and craftsmanship. Absolutely. I think we were all, I mean, yeah, like I, I, because we didn't interact much with the future timeline, can we speak much to that? Um, and I know them as people and I know that they like are super hard workers um, and all that stuff. But like, as far as like the past timeline, we would have rehearsals, you know, before, and we would like really try to make it the best we possibly, possibly could. Um, and we all, we all had rehearsals, like, you know, as well, which John Ortiz um, really pushed for, which is awesome. Um, but we, you know, in the past timeline, we had rehearsals like on the side as well. And like, we, you know, we, we just, yeah, we, we definitely tried our hardest. We, we all love the craft. Like, And it was like, just from being on set, it was an easy show to double do double updates because the timelines didn't really interact all that much. So you could do one uh, crew with the past and one crew with the present and they would like not overlap. So I feel like I, I got to know you all, like the past people a lot better than I did the present people. But I'm glad that you all like found a sense of community within the entire cast, not just the young crew as well the past crew absolutely yeah since since the beginning of the show i think it was very um it was very clear that like we i mean a lot, a lot of us were new series regulars too you know so we like really tried our best to to like you know welcome and everyone based in based on the other shows i worked on this was a much tighter cast than other things that i've had the pleasure of working on like you all like really seem to enjoy to be around each other yeah yeah i think it, it's um yeah, it's interesting too. It's interesting that like, I, I this is my first big show, so I, I don't have like anything to compare it to. But it felt like a theater production while we were doing it. Yeah, I can I can see that energy. Um, now I would like to talk about stereotypes a little bit. Like, um, how do you feel about stereotypes in general? Like, not just like just a word. It could be positive or negative. Like, how do you feel about Latino stereotypes before we get delve into like some different tropes that we've noticed? I think before when I was much younger, I would probably like completely be like, why do we have to have accents? Why do we have to have this? Ironically, you know, my character had an accent in the show. Um, but I think now it's about, to me, it's really about the writing. It's about like, if it's smart, it can be smart. Like, again, let's talk about Puss in Boots. You know, he has the accent, he has the sexy thing, and then he's, you know, also a cat. Um, played by Antonio Banderas, and it works. You know, I think it's a matter of like, who's writing it? you know, what's the purpose for it? Is it trying, what's it trying to do? And, you know, it, it, it is always more complicated than it seems. I think as far as like stereotypes, like, you know, if they're just lazy, if they're just trying to throw in a Latin person there and, you know, having them do a Spanish, I think that's, that's, sets everything backwards. You know, if you're not like, if you don't have a person in your team that understands and it's just like throwing things in for the sake of throwing things in, then I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good. I I personally, I don't know if you disagree with this, but I think that at least the stereotypes that I can understand a little bit come from a little bit of truth. Now, it's the way they, like, use that. Like, I think there's always, like, a gray area where it's, like, respectful or, like, smart commentary. But I think, like, it, when it feels cheap and lazy, that's when I find myself frustrated the most. That's exactly it. It's well articulated. When it's cheap and lazy is when I'm, I don't have a problem with it, you know. Um, um, what... What are some of the most harmful and frustrating stereotypes you've seen in like American media portrayals of Latinos and Hispanic people? That weren't happy, 
you know like that's the that's the big thing is that we're always trying to like like yeah no i i, I think it's and then things things have gotten better you know west side story i thought was like a good step and um and in the heights too you know i i supported both those movies um I, th- I think it's it's a little you know something that's a little harmful too is that like the the lack of representation for like the indigenous you know latin people i think that's a little tough um i think it's it's one of the things that hollywood is doing is like you know latin people but like they have light eyes or they're like you know very uh european looking and i think that's even in our own countries in ecuador too like you see telenovelas and it's everyone who looks like the most Caucasian are the ones represented. Um, so I think that's a little harmful. And Latin America, a lot of these countries have had like their own immigrant stories where like in Brazil, Japanese uh, people came to Brazil a lot, Lebanese yeah. people. So there's like a lot of mixed race in these Latino stories. Like like uh, like we can have Afro-Latino people, we can have Asian-Latino people. I feel like that's something that uh, American audiences don't necessarily grasp if they're not in areas with high Latino populations. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, so we come in all shapes and sizes, and it's just a little strange to see the, you know, the certain Latin people getting the 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 spotlight, you know, the way they look and and all that stuff. And I think people, you know, want to conform and they want to. It, it comes from a place of familiarity, right? It's like, oh either this has to like, you know, he looks a little like this because he reminded me of this. And, um, and I think that, that again, it's just really, truly, honestly, just lazy, just yeah. like, you know? And at least in my perception, I don't know what the behind the scenes actually looks like, but it always feels to me like uh, they'll give Latino stories a chances, but it has to be like the safe Latino stories often, more often than not. Like it has to be like the most whitewashed version of Latino stories or like, the most like white passing Latinos cast. Um, and I, I am excited for the day where we can see like more diversity in terms of the Latino characters. Um, and not to say there isn't, but uh, I think that like a lot of stories end up, the Latino stories that I've seen growing up have often fell into this category. I don't know if you can relate to that. No, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's great. You know, and this is something I think uh, Into the Spider-Verse did like super well, you know, like Miles was a person he was like, like his culture was there. Like his mom was Puerto Rican um, as well. And like, they, they, they didn't hammer it home. It wasn't like, hey, he's also like, you know, he like his culture was part of him. It wasn't who he was. It, he was a fully realized character. And I thought that was um, great. I thought that was honestly awesome. Um, and I was so excited for like uh, Leslie Grace to potentially like continue that legacy as an Afro-Latina character in Batgirl, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna bring that up, dude. I think that that's such a shame. It's such a shame because she sounded so excited. Yeah. Um, like we don't get Afro Latino superheroes. We don't get Latino superheroes generally, besides like Miles Morales and America Chavez, um, recently. But yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's always interesting too, right? It's like people talk about, oh no, you know, it's like time, the representation, everything's changing. It is slowly, but like mm-hmm. if you look at the cast of like you know, into the multiverse, how many Spanish people were there? <laughs> like what? Like like main character is one and how many you know i don't know if you saw the memes but i was laughing a lot when uh i saw some like memes after the movie that it was like we finally got a latina superhero and her power is immigration (laughs) i i I saw those memes um yeah man i don't know i i i 
there. I mean, look, I, I'd like. I like Cobra Kai, so that's yeah. what I'll say. <laughs> you know, Cobra Kai is pretty fun. I like that Zolo. That's another character, uh, Miguel, in that show is like a character who's a character. He doesn't have to be perfect, and his culture is like there, but it's not who he is. Um, yeah, and I think there's like a balance, right? You don't have to like be all Latino all the time, but just show us in our daily lives because we like go about the world the same way most people do. It's just this is like a part of our culture. Um, yeah. Oh my god, and he's gonna be the blue beetle. I'm so jealous. I like that was my dream role for a long time. Uh, well, hopefully, like you can be like the future generation be- blue beetle or something. Like, uh, you know how like every character like passes it down to someone later. Yeah, maybe the red beetle, maybe Spider Man 2099, maybe Kyle Rayner. I have, I have, I have a vision board. <laughs> yes, no, and you got it. Like, you're, you're a very talented guy, and I, I am looking forward to see what you're able to do. Um, I, uh, have like one more question for you um it's kind of like a com- combination question uh one is about uh what do you want like american audiences to like know about the experience as a latino storyteller in this industry how many obstacles you've had to face that white peers might not have to even think about uh oh. if you're willing to share those yeah i mean like my first i also write plays um and you know I've done I've done some theater here and there, and I think my biggest, you know, one of my biggest, uh, one of the best advice I got was like if you can tell a story, like please tell it. If you're a writer, cultivate that talent because the world needs you. It needs your voice. Um, yeah, I think I, I so I was um, labyrinthine a company one time. They had like this intensive ensemble thing back in the day, and I think they still have it every year. And it was just like this like workshop with like all these members and um and you know and and they kind of like cultivated my writing and and now I do it all the time and um and it's important I think it's really important to like tell our stories and and not to give up that's a big that's a big thing you know like maybe for for some people who like have parents in the industry and all that stuff like it's a little easier if like you we're in LA and went to school and all that stuff. It might be a little easier, but like, even if not, you know, like just keep, there's always a way, just keep knocking on doors and, and, you know, don't give up. I think that's, that's the, that's the really big thing. I think something that, um, you know, some peers might not have experiences that like I experienced like true poverty as a kid, you know, I lived in the South Bronx. My parents came here with like nothing really. Like we had family here. Um, so for me to be an actor, it just took a lot of like love and support. And maybe like you have younger siblings or like you're a parent listening to this. And like what really helped me and, and you know, being on national television was like something I take with pride is because my parents supported me. They just like loved me and they were like, okay, you can do it. And then there were times where I had no idea what to do and any of these things, but like my love and, and the grit that I learned from my parents, like really propelled me forward. So just just love and support, like love and support and the grit to not give up because it's always hard. Even now, even now I've been on television, I'm still, you know, trying hard to get my next thing. It's, it keeps getting harder. And as long as you love it and you're passionate about it, keep doing it. And I think that's actually really important to say, because I think resilience is underreported in the Latino community. Not to say that other uh, people who may not be Latino don't have to be resilient and really like get through with like, uh, like push through in times of uh, toughness but I think like the Latino story is often shaped by resilience like being an immigrant is a hard thing and you have to power through like 
uh, my parents, their first language was not English. And I'm very honored to be their child and like know how much like they had to push through just like getting their foot in certain areas of their life. And I'm very appreciative for the life they were able to provide me because of their resilience. And uh, like even just someone like John Ortiz on our show, I remember reading some of the interviews and he was like, I've been working in this industry a long time. And this was my first time being a number one on a call sheet. And he was very honored about that. And uh, he's like, that's just a testament to how hard people work and like the grind never stops, but we, we got to take our opportunities when we can. I'm so proud of like all our people for being so resilient and strong. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think another thing too, that maybe is worth saying is that like, it's important to allow people to dream, you know, a lot of times like our resilience also gets stuck in like trying to like make money or trying to, which you need to, you know, you got, you got to put food on the table. You got to like do all this stuff, but just, it's okay to dream and it's okay to dream big. You know, we can do it. Um, si se puede, you know, as they si say. Se puede. <laughs> Which is the title of this uh, series that I like, because it is like, we can be. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah the series, the podcast is the Brazilian dragon, but uh, like a series I'd like to, I like to give a lot of my uh, podcast series a title. And I feel like Si se puede is very uh, emblematic of the Latino experience because yes, we can, we can do all this stuff. Also, uh, it's a little nod to one of my favorite Disney channel movies. Got to kick it up. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that was their chance at the movie, but uh, and it's like yeah. a Latino story on Disney. Channel. Said, well, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but like, I, it isn't. Uh, like, it does encompass our journey. Like, yes, we can. We work hard, but we can like achieve great things. And I'm it, like, I'm optimistic. I'm casually optimistic because I know this industry loves to disappoint me. Like, even with recent things, like casting James Franco in, as uh, Fidel Castro. Or, That's like, crazy that if i can say one thing about that stuff is that like yo we got people starting cults in here who are still have the movies you know being right. made and i was like know. why why are we glorifying either of these two individuals like they're yes. both yeah and james franco too that's like what like i think people really missed the point there i think um yeah i think people really missed the point of why that is not okay you know if, if you're listening to this podcast and don't understand why fidel castro is not someone we should glorify maybe like do a little bit of research like i don't want to like do the do the homework for you all but like just i think this is like the continuation of like what we're seeing in hollywood it's like they're focusing on latino stories but not necessarily latino joy or like the latino happiness that i personally want to see because uh, and, and even if the people you know like want their you know you know want want to you know, watch not so great people. And because that I think maybe that's okay, too. Like, even if that's the case, like, I just think, like, James Franco, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 even even if you were to make the argument, which I completely disagree with that, like, you know, oh, like, any actor should play whatever actor. It's like, okay, J- James Franco, like, the, the person that like, has traumatized a lot of girls, like, that's, I don't know, I don't know if that's the one you want to pick even if, and it's not okay. Like we, we don't have many Latinos in television and I'm sure there are a lot of brilliant young actors who would love to to like sink their teeth on a villain. But, you know, it's just, there's, there's, so, there's just nuance over nuance of why that's not okay. And it's wild to me that this is kind of like buried under the rug and no one's really talking about this except the Latino community when everyone's like bent out of shape about a cartoon mermaid being recast as a black woman right now. And I'm like, like, this is a fictional character. This is a real person who's Latino. And like, 
you're gonna make this movie that I disagree with the making of the movie, but if you're gonna do it, at least give it to like someone who this could be an opportunity for them to like show their acting chops and put them at the forefront of something like a Latino actor. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's end like on a happy note. Are there any like moments of Latino joy that you wanna like highlight in terms of some of the content you've watched? Like for me, I would go back to Carnaval de Barrio and In the Heights, seeing all those people dancing. Oh, like, we yeah, love to dance yeah, with the Latino yeah. culture. You know what? I'll, I'll end up with something personal, if that's okay. Just of like, course. Um, when my mom and this, when my mom saw my first scene in Promise Land in episode one, where Billy was looking at the house, she cried. And my uncle took a, a video, you know, WhatsApp and, and Latino yeah. families. But, like, he took a video of her when she was watching it. Um, and she just started crying. Like she started crying, and she told me she was like, "I saw, I saw my journey there, you know." And then it was what's crazy, bro, is that like, as I was in Promised Land, some of the guest stars or co-stars that were like were on the show would come up to me and be like, "Hey, when my mom watched that scene, she started crying," and it was like not just one person; it was just multiple people who saw themselves, and like that was worth it, you know. That was like, hey, like I yeah those, that i just thought was really wonderful whenever somebody told me that i like took it in my heart and kept it there so i would love to share that no thank you that's tremendously beautiful and powerful and inspiring as well like like that is something that like was such a powerful scene to watch i remember seeing i didn't know that was in the pilot so i didn't get to see some of the performances uh unless it was like a reshoot uh when we started production in october but like that was such an incredible scene to watch. Uh, I watched that episode live. I found like a streamer on Eastern oh, time because nice. I was like, I want to be, uh, I literally like poured a glass of wine. I was like, okay, promise land time. Yes! <laughs> but like seeing that scene that was like so powerful and just like a Latino going for their dreams. And now obviously we're not going to give spoilers for the show, but there's some twists and turns yeah. uh, after that moment. But it's such a powerful image and like, when I think of like important scenes and images from Promised Land, that's one that stands out to me among like a couple other like Joe's speech at the end, obviously. But like there are some powerful like pieces of Latino imagery that I like to think about when I think about my time on the show and like the experience of the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But yeah, oh my gosh, this was so wonderful. Like Yeah, I, no, thank you so much for joining. Uh I wanted to give a quick moment. Besides Promised Land, is there any like latino stories that maybe like our audiences might not be as familiar with that you want to just like use this platform to amplify like it could be a cartoon um a book something that's latino that you think everyone should check out regardless if they heard of it or not uh right for the oldie 90s i don't know if you guys knew this but like for some reason i i mean not for some reason i'm talking about like cartoons yeah. um but like you know shout and showdown was actually a pretty good cartoon it was i love that show there was a brazilian guy on it yeah, Raimundo. Raimundo, yeah. Raimundo, that was so good. I think that was that was a good. I remember being like, oh, that's a that's a really well made character. He's just you know he's a. And it's Tom Kenny also, so like not not a not a Latino a voice actor, Tom but. Too. Oh my god, he just keeps ah Tom Kenny. But then I, I was Tom. like, like how as a like uh, someone who didn't like know exactly the weight of representation mattering, but remembering that it was like this white man and not a Brazilian actor. I was still like, okay, but at least I get to share, like, my people get to share a voice with Spongebob. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Eduardo yeah. Spon- Oh, that's great. I didn't know that was him. Um, yeah, I, I, I talked about Cobra Kai. I watched Cobra Kai. I think it's cool. Oh, yeah. I think um, I'm, 
think that's awesome. Um, have you ever gotten to meet any like of these Latino actors that you look up to, like the guy from Cobra Kai, or no? Not no, yet. No, not yet. Not yet. My hope is yet. to act. Not yet. Keyword. Yeah, it's to, it's to, it's to be in, it's to be inside, you know, toe to toe with these people because, yeah, that's that's my style. But let me let me let me think of like one really good one, one really good one that I want people to watch. Um. You know what? Pick up some some Green Lantern comics, maybe, and like look up Kyle Rayner. Jessica Kyle Cruz. Rayner. Yeah, huh? Yeah, uh, Jessica Cruz is that character's name? Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner. Sorry. Yeah, he's a, he's a Latino Green Lantern. Um, and I think that's his his stories are pretty cool too. I think I, I like his um and yeah, I think I think that's it for now. I think if you, I mean, that's already a lot a lot of homework. Shallon Showdown, Cobra Kai, and uh, Kyle Rayner comics and probably bleach. bleach the first season if you know when you want to see a you know uh, <laughs> one Latino character and a ca- actually not really also that, that show has a lot of Latin representation even though it kind of ended weird um, yeah. yeah yeah it's anyway yeah no thank you for all these recommendations now I have a lot of homework as well but um, I I um, really appreciate you joining us and having this conversation and do you want people to check anything out besides like promise Land? like it follow you on instagram or any social media oh yeah sure i mean my uh and my hashtag is at rolando chusan um yeah i mean that's if you want to see what i'm up to i usually post there and yeah and thank you for asking that i'm see i'm so bad of course yeah no i'm so appreciative of your time you're welcome back anytime if you ever want to talk about a cartoon or like a series or something i'm happy to chat with you because heck uh, yeah that sounds awesome we we both love that stuff but thank you again for making time for this i really really appreciate it Of course, brother. Anytime. And there you have it, my friends. My great conversation with Rolando. Thank you again to him for making time for this project. Now, again, I want to give everyone a reminder. Normally on The Brazilian Dragon, we talk about uh, late 90s, early 2000s nostalgia-based content. We got a Total Drama Island recap with my friend Autumn. We got uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series recap with my friends Sam and Caitlin. We have a Scooby-Doo Project uh, recap series uh, with myself and a rotating panel of guests. And we also have miscellaneous Disney Channel original movies or other nostalgia-based content, including a theme song bracket from our favorite kids shows, which was episode 50. Um, I'm very excited to continue the Cisse Puede series. Uh, I just wanted to share all that with you if this is your first episode and you want to check out some of the back catalog. If this is your first episode or if this is your 131st episode, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps attract new listeners and especially in this Latino Heritage Month where we're doing this project, I think it would be very valuable to get a lot of reviews and get a lot of ears uh, onto this project to hear what this conversation Uh, can do and impact the future of Hollywood storytelling. Now I'm excited to bring to you a future conversation in a couple days with my friend Paula Irizari. Uh, We met, uh, we are both tour guides at Warner Brothers, and uh, she's originally from Puerto Rico, and she has a lot to say about this topic and a couple other exciting interviews in uh, line for this project, including a fellow castmate of Rolando's and on-screen uh, love interest, Katia Martin. She will be joining me as well, so I'm excited to chat with her and get her perspective about this. Again, thank you so much if you're checking this out. It means a lot to me. Uh, Latino Heritage Month 
is not the only time that we can uplift Latino stories, but I think it is an important time to elevate those voices because we have this platform between September 15th and October 15th to get recognized in the way that we should be all year. So I do want to pre- share, share my appreciation. Sorry, words are hard. Share my appreciation uh, for everyone who decides to check this podcast out for the first time because of this project. They see an actor or a reality star or a producer or someone they know on this podcast and giving it a chance. Um, so I want to thank you all if you're listening to that. So again, Brazilian Dragon Podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're willing to give us any ratings or review, it helps with SEO and finding getting people to find the podcast. If you want to follow the Brazilian Dragon on any social media, we have one handle for all social media. That is at Brazil Dragon Pod. Now, if you want to follow me, Felipe, personally, you can follow me on all social media. Same thing at what the fleep. Now, that's the word bleep, like bleep sound effect, but with an F instead of the B. Again, thank you all for checking this out. I'll talk to you in a couple days with my friend Paula. Uh, If you want to get in touch about this project, you can email Felipe at BrazilianDragonPodcast.com. Now, until next time, everyone, si se puede and echa palante. Desaparecí y en un ratito pues estabas ahí. Yo vine para darle hasta abajo también. No pensar en el mucho menos en la